it's the holiday that celebrates the freedom of this country, right? And, and so I wonder if people all know that. And so the word freedom, right? You know that this country was established. People came here to be free. It's called the land of the free. But are people really free? That's the question. You know, are people really free in today's society with politics? You guys know uh, that actually they're trying to take away the freedom that's left, the freedom that you have left, right? So that's what the Lord shared with me. Um, when Manny uh, texts me, you know, I always ask the Lord, what, what is it that you want me to share with the people? And uh, he gave me the word freedom, you know. So for us Christians, the f- word freedom should mean something else than it means to other people. It means to be free in Christ, right? It means to be free f- from sin. So that's kind of what the Lord showed me to talk to you guys about. I know you guys are... are uh, the choir, I know I'm speaking to the choir, so it's always a good reminder to remind ourselves what Jesus has done for us, right? So the word freedom in the dictionary says the power, the right to act, to speak, to think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. It says absence of subjection to a foreign domination or despotic government, the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. Those are the three main definitions. It's interesting how people in society, you know, have experienced this idea of liberty and freedom. When the the communists came into China and they established their government, they told the people that they were bringing them into liberty. They were going to set them free. So they questioned a lady who had been there when this all started, and she had fled to Hong Kong, and they asked her, you know, what she thought. So this, it's an 82-year-old Christian woman from Hong Kong told her life, told of her life in China, but it still used much of the vocabulary that the communists used in describing the revolution. They called it the liberation. She was asked, when you were back in China, were you free to gather together with other Christians to worship? She said, oh no, she answered, since the liberation, no one is permitted to gather together for Christian services. But surely you were able to get together in small groups and discuss the Christian faith. No, we were not, the woman replied, since the liberation, all, all such meetings are forbidden. Were you free to read the Bible since the liberation? No one is free to read the Bible. That was her experience of someone who was liberated. Today's society, you hear a lot about being liberated, the women's lib, right? And it's actually God, Jesus Christ, set the woman free already, you see. But that's man's view. That's man's view of things, right? So this country was founded uh, by some people who were being persecuted in England, and they came to this country for religious freedom. They were called the pilgrims. They came on the Mayflower seeking religious freedom because over there they were bound by the Church of England, which was together with the state. It's it's a government kind of church. And if you didn't go with the program, you would be fined. You could be put in jail. And some some of the leaders of this so-called, they called it a separatist rebellion, they were put in prison and then they were executed. So they 
fled to Holland, and after a while, they decided it would be good if they would come to another continent and be free. Interesting, they did come and arrive, and they established this country, which is, was based on freedom. But the interesting thing that I noticed is that, you know, I was uh, in Salem, Massachusetts, where this uh, kind of the area where all this started, and uh, those same people, those same kind type of, you know, that established that Pilgrim Puritan uh, religion were the same ones that started the witch trials, and they were the same ones that persecuted certain people for believing different, and they put them to death. It's interesting how, you know, we can do the same thing to others that was done to us, you know. found that interesting. So with that said, you know, we have man's idea of freedom and God's idea of freedom. And we, as Christians, know that the only way to be free is in Jesus Christ, right? So the truth is that man cannot be free, cannot be free unless God sets him free. So with that said, I would like to, we could turn to John chapter 8. So in John chapter 8, you know, Jesus is uh, speaking to some people, and, it, and we're going to start in verse 31. We're just going to cover to verse 36. So in verse 30, he says, as he spoke these words, many believed. So he, he, he was speaking to them about God the Father, and, you know, he says it in verse 29, and he who has sent me is with me, and the Father is not, has not left me me alone, and for I always do these things that please him. And we know why Jesus came. We know that Jesus' his whole ministry was to come and die on a cross so, the, so us people could receive eternal life, right? He came for that purpose only, and so then some of these people believed. That's, that's what it says in verse 30, right? And then in verse 31 and 32, it says, And then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in, abide in my word, and you are my disciples, indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And so then he's talking about you have to walk with him. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ and you're not walking with him, that means you're not abiding in him. And so then he's talking about abiding in his word, the words that he's talking, that he's been speaking to them. And so Jesus, if we know what the Bible says, he is the written word and the incarnate word with a capital W. And so that's what it means to walk with Christ, to be in the word of God, to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ and abiding in him is to live in him and live the way he lived and the example that he shows us. And then we're called his disciples. And that's the way you remain free. And the reason we're talking about it is because a lot of people who know Jesus are not free. They're not free. They're not walking in freedom. They're walking in many other things, many bondages, you see. The written word, you know, and then the incarnate word, which is Jesus Christ. It's interesting, I was thinking about this when the, when the Israelites were in the desert and they were getting fed the manna from heaven every day. As soon as they started to complain that there wasn't the manna from heaven that, that was, they were bored or whatever it was and they wanted something else, they started gravitating to something else that they started to lose the focus of what God had brought them out there and that God was the one who was sustaining them and they started to yearn for other things and eventually they started to want to go back to Egypt. 
remembering the things of Egypt, the world, but not remembering the slavery that they were in. They forgot all about that, but they wanted to go things, the things that they remembered, the eating things, right? And God had provided the manna from heaven, which in the context of food is food, but in the spiritual realm, it's God himself is enough for us. Is God enough for us? He's enough, right? And so it's tragic that many who have professed Christ are not free at all. Many are slaves to other things. You can be a slave to anything. Anything you put before God, you're going to be a slave to it. Eventually, you're going to be there all the time. It could be anything. And many people are addicted to things, money, self-imposed afflictions, Anger, hatred, jealousy, envy, and many other attributes that are opposite of God's character. Anything. You could be a slave to it. So you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. This is a result of abiding in the word of Jesus, what Jesus' words, right? Those who live out God's truth are made free. Those are the ones who follow Jesus Christ. The, the freedom doesn't come because we know things but because we're walking in the truth. Because a lot of people that I meet, they know the Word of God, but they don't walk in the Word of God. They don't abide in the Word of God. They know the Word better than I do. You know, they could memorize it. You know, I have to bring out my Bible and show them. But they know it, but they're not walking in the Word. There was a man that I used to deal with. I don't know if he's around anymore. He was an alcoholic, you know. I mean, he was drinking nail polish. And he could quote the word of God like nothing. I mean, there was nothing to him to speak it, but he wasn't walking in the truth. John wrote in Second John 1, 4, it says, I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received the commandment from the Father. What commandment was that? Is to be in the word and to... Follow the two greatest commandments that Jesus talked about, to love God with all your heart, with all your might, and then love your neighbor as yourself. So if we are enslaved to something else, are we loving God more than anything? No. The, the simple truth is that we're loving that other object more than God. We're, we're loving ourselves and loving those other things. So... The commandment is to love the Lord, thy God, and then love others as yourself. And if you love God, you're going to do the things of God, right? You're going to do the things that Jesus talked about, that Jesus commanded. And then verse 33, it says, And they answered him, so they have an answer, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? And Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, Most surely I say to you, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So these guys, these religious guys, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is to go against what Jesus is saying. But the first thing, if you notice, that comes out of their mouth is a lie. Because if you know your Bible, 
they have been in bondage. The Israelites have been in bondage from Egypt to Syria to Babylon. Many other kingdoms had conquered the Israelites, right? And so the Philistines, the Persians, and then in the current moment, they're slaves to Rome. They're under the, the government of Rome, right? So crazy, what a statement, what an untruthful statement that they're making themselves. But the greatest bondage that they're in is self-righteousness, is, is their own selves, is their own pride to make a statement like that, you see? So just like today, many say they're free, but the truth is that they're in bondage, you know? When I go out and minister to people on the street, I offer Jesus Christ to them, and they always tell me, no, I'm all right. They're not okay. They're slaves to the world, to themselves, right? But they believe that they're okay. You see, not knowing, not realizing that the only one who can set you free is Jesus Christ. You see? And so we know that as Christians, right? We know that Jesus is the, the truth, the way, and the life. But then the problem is in the body of Christ, right? The world is ignorant of things, right? But in the body of Christ, we're not supposed to be in bondage. We're not supposed to be slaves to anything. And the greatest thing that Jesus is talking about is you could be a slave to anything, but he's talking about sin, to be a slave to sin. We were all had a different master before we came to Christ, and it was sin. Even guys like me who thought they were pretty good, you know? You know, my master was that I thought I was pretty good. My master was believing that lie, you see? was me. I wasn't doing all the crazy things like some people were. That person knows that they're slaves to sin. I was a slave to my own thinking, that I thought I was already good, that I thought my righteousness was good enough. You see, and I had to receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And because of that, then we can move on forward and walk in his righteousness and truth. And then we could be ministers of the gospel of Christ. Right. So Matthew said, uh, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, a familiar passage you guys are familiar with, that no one can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. No, you cannot serve God and mammon. He's talking about in the context of money, but your master could be anything. Your master could be ministry. Your master could be ministry. You could put ministry before God. You could put anything before God, and that would be your master. In today's society, many are told they're slaves of their economic status, you know, that the condition, their economic condition is the problem. There's much talk about equality, making everyone equal. Everybody get the same amount of money. That's kind of like what communism is. And they, then, you know, they, there's others that uh, try to make that happen. The truth is that they're slaves to the, their master, which is sin, right? And, and then there's others who are slaves to, in today's society, to the idea that they got the wrong body, that they were born in the wrong body, you see? But what they need is Jesus Christ, you see? They need the perspective of God, that God created them, God made them, and God doesn't make mistakes, you see? 
but they've been deceived in their own mind, and then the world goes along with it. Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. The, the heart of the matter is sin. You know, society try, is trying to take and change what God calls sin and then not call it sin. That's the way they want to get out of the bondage, you see. But it doesn't matter what man says. It doesn't matter what man calls it. It matters only what God calls it, you see. So people would tell you different things, but you see, the, the, here where Jesus is saying that whoever commits sin is a slave to sin is talking about somebody who lives in sin all the time. Not people who slip and fall. It's people who are in habitual sin, who live a lifestyle of sin. You see, they say it's a lifestyle or, or part of an identity, but it's just the sin nature that that God knows we have, and He came to take it away. So, so the other, the other, uh, you know, thing we should know is that freedom is not found in a place or in the physical condition of of, of a person. It's found in the heart of a person. Right? You can be free if you're bound by a building or anything like that. So I wanted to just take you real quick to uh, the letter of Philemon, if you could turn there. Philemon is a very short letter written by Paul while he was, while he was in prison. He met a slave there named Onesimus, who is the subject of the letter. So, so this letter w- was written by Philemon to to his uh, good friend. Uh, that that he writes this letter about this man that he's encountered named Onesimus, right? And so, so this guy had run away, he'd run away from from his master, and uh, he he his master named Philemon. So Onesimus runs away, and he decides to run away to Rome. And uh, maybe perhaps he ran there because there's 30 million slaves, there's 60 million people, half of them are slaves. Maybe he thought he could blend in. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us why. It doesn't tell us if he was, felt like he was mistreated or if he wasn't a good servant. But uh, we're going to read what Paul wrote. So a Paul, Paul writes in verse 1, Paul, a prisoner of... Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. So Paul's purpose of the letter is to write what has happened to to this guy, this runaway slave. And so he he says an interesting thing there. He he calls this Philemon guy a friend. Usually Paul announces himself as his apostleship, but this is a friend that he had made. He had. Uh, he had had an acquaintance as a friend. So he calls him friend because he's going to appeal to, to him about this new friend that he's made. And the prisoner of Christ Jesus, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. So Paul is in prison, in a Roman prison, but yet he doesn't acknowledge that. He calls himself a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And so that's the only prisoner that we need to be, right? That's the only prison that we need to be. We need to be sold out for Jesus Christ and we need to belong to him and we need to follow him and we need to do the things that God has called us to do and we should be able to call ourselves like Paul, a prisoner. That means that that he is my master, right? So that's what Paul says. So how could a man who's in prison be free? 
It's, it's an interesting concept. I wonder if we were in prison, would we think we were free? You see, the, the, the captors that, the, 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 that hold Paul prisoner, they're not having his heart captive. You see, the gospel, while he is changed, he's changed to these Roman soldiers, the gospel is not changed. You notice what we're going to read is that he brings this man into to the family of God, right? So, imprisoned but free. That's an interesting thing. So, I know perhaps you guys know people who went to prison to get free. Who went to prison to get free. I know a lot of stories like that. People who found Jesus Christ in prison. You see, it's not where you are at. It's what's in your heart. Philemon, he calls him a beloved friend. He wrote to Philemon, a Christian brother living in Colossae. This is the only place in the New Testament where Philemon is mentioned. But we do not know. We, but we do know that he was a beloved friend. So verses 2 and 3, it says, To the beloved Apia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in, in your house, grace to you, peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he is greeting the family, and it show, tells us here that Philemon holds church in his house, right? Where two or more are gathered in his name. So it, it's a question to us, right? Where are we having church? We should be having church every time we're together, right? Speaking on the name of the Lord, speaking on the things of God, right? So just to note that, that this guy was a godly man. He was having church in his house. And so then you might ask the question, well, why does he have a slave? Well, that was the, the culture in that day. People had slaves, you know. People could have a, a doctor as a slave. You could have a slave for anything. So verses 4 through 7, we're going to cover it kind of quick. I thank my God, making mention of, of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have towards the Lord Jesus, towards all the saints, and that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have a great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. So here, he's acknowledging with Philemon the workmanship, the ministry that he's in, right? And so we have to... Check ourselves, you know. How are we doing in the ministry? You know, am I refreshing my brother? This is what this man was doing. The Christians would come through there and meet in his church, in his house, the church, and he was doing a good job. He was, he, Paul had heard of his love and his faith. The faith that we have in Christ, the love that we have for one another, that sometimes we, we struggle with that in the church. If we don't love each other in the body of Christ, then how can we love the outside people? We have to show the love within ourselves, within the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? But this was a good report. So we have to examine ourselves daily, at least I do. How am I doing with the Lord? How, am I, how, is, my, my, how is Christ coming out of me? I've been praying, you know, I, I, I meet people who, who are bound, you know. Today and this morning I met... Uh, how the Lord was ministering to me about this this being bound, being a slave. I met a guy this morning who was totally a slave to demons, to drugs. I mean, this guy, I started mentioning the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he totally was cursing and cursing me, cursing the Lord, cursing everybody. And I just, you know, try to share with him. And he was just hostile. He was just aggressive, you know. 
totally in bondage. What the Lord was showing me is the bondage that this man was in. It didn't have no dislike for him or hatred or anything. Just had, just my heart went out to him. But he was in a place where I couldn't even, I couldn't be reasonable with him. Couldn't reason with him. So it just showed me that the Lord wanted to show me there's so many people. You guys see them all over the place? They're in bondage, right? They need what this guy was giving them, showing them love, and then showing them the faith that we have in Christ and what God has done for us, right? So refreshing, are we refreshing other people? So in verse 8 to 11, it says, Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you that what is fitting, for yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the age, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. So now he presents the case for Onesimus, who now he calls a son in the faith. He calls him his, his son. And so that's a pretty good title from Paul to call someone a son, right? And so this Onesimus guy, you know, we know that he ran away and he was unprofitable to Philemon. And now, because how, how did he just land in jail and then all of a sudden he's profitable? How, how is he profitable now? Because now when we're in Christ, we are profitable to God. God looks at us as something valuable. And so you become valuable in the ministry of God because God wants to use your life, right? And so that's what Paul's appealing to this guy. And he says, I have the right to command you because I'm your overseer to tell you what I want you to do with this guy. But he says, I appeal to you to love. You just, he just talked about his love. I appeal to you in love that you're going to do the right thing. And so this Onesimus guy, it's interesting that, you know, his name, it means profitable, but he wasn't profitable before. I wonder how he got that name, you know? What's in the name, right? It's really what's in your heart that counts. What's in your heart that counts? It's Jesus Christ that makes you valuable. It's not anything I am. It's all God's grace in me, which is Christ himself that makes me of any valuable, of any value at all. And me and myself, you know, God says he picked the weak things on the earth, that he chose the weak things to do something, you know, that nobody would boast, that no flesh would stand in his presence and boast, no, or have any glory except God himself, right? So we know what God has done. We know what God has done in your life. We know what he's done in my life. So who gets the glory? And he is the one that's really profitable. But then he allows us, he allows us this little thing of being used by God. What a great thing that God allows us to be used by God. And that's why Paul can say he is profitable now. Because now he's been ministering with Paul right there. Paul made him his son. And then right away, like Paul on the Damascus road, he said, what do you want me to do, Lord? What is it do you want me to do? And now this young man who he calls a son is following the same footsteps, is serving God already in that prison, right? Paul, you know, is an amazing character in the Bible that he was chained and then 
Who's going to be chained and be thinking about the gospel? Who's going to be doing that? You know? But he knew his mission was to give out the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is the mission that we have as well. You see? But the enemy would have us busy, occupy us with other things, even with ourselves, you know, with our problems, that we wouldn't share the gospel. But Paul, I love to, 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 to understand that Paul knew that the gospel was in chain. In, the, in, the, in the, the letter to the Philippians, he says, the household of Caesar greets you, you see, because he had been preaching the gospel to everybody he met. Didn't matter. Sometimes we think, you know, I'm, I think the gospel's for this person only, you know, because I like this person. Some people I don't like, you know, but the gospel is for everybody, and maybe the friction you have with that person is because they don't know the Lord. And if they only knew the great gift that we have, how are they going to know it if we don't give it to them, if we don't share it with them? We have to share the good news. You know? And if you're, if you're having issues with people in life, welcome to the party, right? But if they don't know the Lord, that's why God has put you there. To show them in, in deed, in the deeds that we do, and then when we get an opportunity to share the good news with them. And that's what Paul's doing. And I don't know, you know, if, if I'm in that condition, you know. I went to visit this guy. Um, he passed away. Now he went to be with the Lord. But they said he was in the hospital right here at, um, at the Kaiser right here on Bowen Park. And so he, he was in bad shape. You know, they thought he might not make it. So I go over there to visit him. And he's the one talking to the people about the Lord Jesus Christ in there. He's the one encouraging me, you know. He's telling them. He's telling the nurses, the people, anybody, tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's telling them how he's going to walk out of the hospital. And sure enough, he did. (laughs) Went on vacation. But you see, he had the right heart. He had the right heart. He could have been there, woe is me, you know, poor little me, right? But he saw the greater mission. And that's what Paul is seeing here, the great admission, the greater mission of bringing someone to Christ and then making them profitable for the gospel, for the same workmanship. So the former slave of Philemon becomes a slave of Christ. Now he is profitable to the body of Christ. The true sign of conversion is walking the walk, right? Walking the walk, doing the work, right? Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Hebrews 10.24 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. You see? So these good works, the question, you know, I, 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 you know, look at myself and say, I missed a lot of opportunities in life. I messed up a lot of opportunities to do the good works that God had put there before the foundations of the world. You know, you think about your job, you go to work, right? It's called work. But I tell you the truth, that God put you there for his good works. Yeah, you get there, you earn money to make it, you know, to live your life. But there's good works there that are primary, the primary reason that God put you there. Just ask him. Just ask him to be used. Ask to be used by God, you know. 
And God wants to use your life. And God will, when he wants to use your life and you say, use me, like the prophet Isaiah said, I'll go. Then watch out. Because God's going to move in your life. Because God doesn't move like a man. He doesn't move like a man and doesn't speak like a man just to hear himself talk. God speaks and he acts with a purpose. He's going to get something done. He's going to do it. All he needs is us to, the clay to not resist, right? So in uh, verses 12 to 14, I am sending him back to you. I'm back, him back. You therefore receive him. That is my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me. That is on, that on your behalf, he might, been, might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I want to do nothing that your that your good deed might not be c- compulsion, as it were, but but voluntary. So you know, if Paul is leaving it up to, he knows the answer. He knows the answer. He just wants him to to say it. You know, and so that's the way God is with us. You know, He wants us to be voluntary servants of His. Does Does God gonna force you? No, He might break your leg and make you do it. You know, there's a, a guy I met in Cambodia. He said God told him to go be a missionary in Cambodia. And he went to Louisiana and started doing his thing. And he was on his motorcycle having a good time, and he broke his leg. And he said he knew that God broke his leg. And he knew that he had to go do it. And he's been over, over there ever since. Uh, we went there, I think, 2012. But, you know, usually God doesn't do that. God wants us to voluntarily serve him, right? He wants it to be a desire of our heart. And so the question is, is it a desire of your heart? So Paul gently tells, tells uh, you know, Philemon, hey, Onesimus, I like to keep him here. He's, he's ministering not only to people, but to me as well. But he wants him to make that decision. So he wants, Paul's asking love instead of demanding. So in verse 15 and 16, it says, For perhaps he departed for you a, a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, beloved brother, especially to me, and how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So now Paul gets to the, to the, to the meat of things as to tell him, look, man, this guy was a slave. He ran away, but now he's your brother in Christ. Imagine if everybody, every culture who's had slaves, you know, we we claim to be Christians in this country who had slavery, right? Legal slavery. And and if they were true Christians, if what if they would have let these people go? What would let this give them their freedom? Because first, you can't just give the freedom to walk away. I'm talking about the freedom in Christ. What if they if they were true Christians, they shared the gospel with all these people and set them free? Then they would be brothers in Christ. It wouldn't be a, a slave and a master mentality is brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's what Paul is speaking about here. He's saying, hey, now he's your brother, right? Receive him, you know? So, you know, this, this, this Paul is talking about that God had sent this man to Rome so he could be free. Imagine that, that Paul saw God's hand in it. Do you see God's hand in your life? That God wants to turn those things to good that you're in right now. 
those things that you're in, that happening to you right now, do you see that God will make something good out of it if you just wait upon the Lord? Wait upon the Lord. Trust in the Lord, right? And Paul is speaking about that. He says, Philemon, the master, lost a slave, but he gained a brother. He gained a brother in Christ. Is there anything greater than someone accepting Christ? Anything greater. You know, the Bible says that they're, they're having a, a, a party in heaven. Man. You know? Is there anything greater that has ever happened to you than receiving Jesus Christ? Anything. Nothing. There's nothing that can compare with that. And then that's not even the end. One day we're going to meet Jesus face to face. One day we're going to be there. One day we're going to be in his presence. Right here in this earth, you get a taste. When you worship the Lord, for me, that's kind of the closest I can get. And when we're praying together, but one day we're going to be in his presence. You know, that is the, the, the promise of God. We don't have the hope of the world where the, the hope of the world means I hope I get this, I hope I get that. Our hope is already sealed. Our hope has already been written with the blood of Jesus Christ. That hope is a forever. It doesn't matter what people think about us. We already have it. So then because of that, then our, our life should represent that and our life should be geared to bring others to Christ. You know, you never know what that act of kindness is going to do. You never know how far it's going to go. That person that you showed kindness to could be thinking, why? Why are you being nice to me? What do you want? You see, we want Jesus for them, you know? And I told this, sto this story before, and I, I, I feel it, like it led to say it again. You know, this, this neighbor I have, you know, she would always need something, you know? So one Saturday morning, I was coming from the park, and she was waiting for me. And I'm like thinking, like, what does she want? You know? And so she says, uh, well, I was wondering if you could practice English with my, my relative. It was a, a cousin or something. And I was thinking in my mind to tell her no. You know, how to tell her no. Like, and then the Lord saying, no, tell her yes. So I said, okay, okay, let's, let's uh, meet. We met the guy. He was a, a, a gentleman. He's a little bit older than me. His English was terrible. And uh, I thought, well, you know, um, I asked him if we could read the Bible to teach it in English. And he, he said, yeah, sure. And he said, well, I'm a Buddhist my whole life, born a Buddhist. I'm never going to become a Christian. I said, yeah, that's fine. Let's just read the Bible. So we start reading the Bible, the book of Mark. The Lord said, read the book of Mark. So I would explain it, right? And he kept saying that periodically. He would say, I'm a, I'm a Buddhist. I'm going to be a Buddhist my whole life. So I just kept reading, you know, praying for him, right? And, and then and this guy had like a straight face. You couldn't tell if, if the word was sinking in. You know that the word doesn't return void though, right? You know that the, the word of God has power. And so then I was complaining to the Lord as I was praying. I said, Lord, I don't see nothing happening to this guy, you know? Nothing going on. So one day he comes to my house and he's got this big old smile. And he says, I'm a Christian now. I said, he says, I accepted the Lord in my life. So the, without me even presenting that, you see, the word of God has power. 
And I wanted to say no, you see. So now this man was sharing the gospel with all these other people who are Chinese who I couldn't talk to, you see. So God had a plan. He had a, a plan just like, you know, this plan that this guy came to the prison to see Paul. We're not told if he was in prison or he came to visit or what, but he got the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? And that's what we want. So the last verses I want to read is 17 to 19. It says, And if then if you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. And I, Paul, am writing with my own hand, and I will repay not, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. So just real quick, you know, Paul's saying, hey, if this guy owes you anything, I'll pay it, you know. And then he tells Philemon, hey, you owe me a lot too. It's believed that Paul's the one that led him to the Lord, right? And so do we owe? We owe somebody, you know. You could owe the bank. You could owe somebody. But who do we really owe? We owe, we owe Jesus Christ. He paid the full price. He paid the price that we couldn't pay. If you had all the money in the world, you couldn't pay it. You know, but he paid it, and he paid it while we were his enemies, right? And so that's Paul's heart to just to say, hey, whatever the guy, owed, whatever he did, I'll pay it. But it was just Paul's heart. But really, you know, we should recall that Jesus paid everything we owed with his life. Our sins were charged to his account, you see? And then our account became full of the riches of heaven. He changed his, transferred his riches to us and our sins to him. So because of that, knowing that, we should be sold out for him, right? First John 2, 1 says, My little children, these things I write to you so that, so that you may not sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So continues, he continues to be uh, our advocate. He continues to make intercession. He continues to forgive our sins. And we know that we sin every day, right? So we, he continues to do these things. And uh, we should know that God is just on our side all the time, right? And so then, because he's on our side, we should be on his side, right? And so, you know, we've been saved, right? He makes intercession. Hebrews 7.25, Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost, those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So that's our Lord, that's our God. And so Paul just wanted to make sure, you know, not take for granted anything, that if my new brother, my new son owes something, then I'm willing to pay it. But reminding him, Philemon, that he got saved through, God, through Paul's ministry and that he really owed God everything too, right? And so like us, right? So in the last uh, 20 to 22 is where I'll stop there. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me and for I trust that through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. So he's making plans to go see him, right? He says, you're praying for me. I'm going to see you. And so you know, he get ready. He says, I'm coming. That's, that's Paul's confidence. And then he's confident in the obedience of his friend Philemon. And so then, you know, that's, that's our confidence too. 
We have confidence that one day we won't be here. One day we're going to be with the Lord, right? And so my goal is to take as many people with me, right? Take as many people with me to, to be with the Lord, right? And so that's what I think about, you know, the great gift that God has given me is that I got to share with people, right? You know, Paul, he he could have been bummed out in prison. He could have said, nah, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do anything, right? He could have got depressed, you know? So then, who the son, you know, has set free, he makes free, right? He shall be free indeed. So then... The question is to us, you know, why do do believers, why are they in such bondages? You could be in bondage, right, to many things, addictions. You know, we teach a class on Mondays, and I say, we shouldn't even have this class, you know. We shouldn't have this class. But the reality is that we do have it because that's the reality of life, and I'm glad to serve in the ministry, glad to help, right, but God wants you to be free, right? So he wants you to be free of many things, anxiety, oppression, right? You, you think there's people who get oppressed, who get anxiety? Yeah, and you could be a slave to fear, you know? How many of us tr- were troubled with fear in the last three years? How many of us struggle with that? God didn't want us to, to be in bondage to, to fear, Right? I've seen people who were so afraid they couldn't even move. They couldn't move. They were stuck, you see? And God doesn't want us to be slaves to anything or any man except slaves to the Lord Jesus Christ as Paul claimed to be the prisoner of Jesus Christ. That is the only claim we should have, to be a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So that last verse, therefore if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So the question is, how free are you? How free are you? And if you're not free, then you need to find out why. You know, I talk to people, believers in Christ, and I'm not speaking to anyone here in case you get convicted, who are afraid, and, and I understand, I understand, who are afraid to die, you know? And I understand, I, I might be afraid of the method of dying, you know, of the pain of dying, but to me now I'm thinking it's a door. It's a door. It's a door that leads me to, to see the Lord, to see Him face to face. And God understands that we live in this body and we have these fears. But in your heart, there shouldn't be no trembling. In your heart is where the assurance is. In your heart is where the hope is. In your heart is where Jesus lives, right? And where Jesus lives, there is no fear. You see? So that's what we should take that we should be free in Christ. Not free to sin, but free to live as Christ has lived for us, the example, right? So you could be in the church, you could be a minister, and you could be in bondage. You know, so real quick, we're not going to turn there, but there's a guy who was one of the judges of Israel, Samson, you know? And Samson was enslaved to sexual immorality. He was enslaved to sexual, you know, perversion. You see, see, he was committing fornication, adultery, and he was doing good. You know, it says that in the Bible that he he killed a thousand Philistines with a a jawbone of a donkey. I mean, he was being prospered by God, you see, but he was doing evil on one side. You see, he was enslaved 
to this sin uh, of sexual sin, right? And so then, finally, you know, through the th- through this woman, finally he gives in and he tells what the power, what gives him the power, which was his hair, and then she cuts it off, and then he gets captured. He becomes a prisoner, you know, and so then they make him like an animal, and he's made like to work like an animal, like an ox, and they would bring him in and mock him and make fun of him because this is the, the champion of God right here, and they'd make fun of him, you see. That's what happens when we fall and we're serving God and we fall into sin and we're living in sin and we become slaves to sin, then the enemy laughs at us. You see? He, look, this, that's what a Christian is. And so that's what would happen to Samson. But Samson prayed while he was in that condition for another opportunity. And God gave it to him. And they brought him out to laugh at him again, laugh at the man of God. And he was able to destroy all the Philistines there by bringing the, the, the structure down, the temple down, right? You see, before that, they may, had put his eyes out. They had made him blind, you see. And they thought that was going to do it, that he wouldn't be any problem anymore. But you see, God allowed them to take his eyes out so he could really open his eyes. So he could see with his spiritual eyes the sin that he had been in. And then God gave him that last opportunity to do the will of God and to destroy the Philistines, to destroy the enemy. And so the reason I bring that up is that you could be in church, you could be a Christian, and you could fall into this kind of slavery to sin, and God doesn't want that because we will cause God's name to be blasphemed. Okay, guys? So I think that's that's where I'm going to stop and... I pray that, that uh, it's just a reminder to us to live a godly life and to not be in a slave to anything except Jesus Christ. To be a slave and to be a bondservant to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if we're going to be chained, let's be chained to Him. Let's be chained to the gospel. Let's be chained to the Word of God. And let's be chained in the love of Christ.